let's start. We're going to look at the book of Genesis chapter 41. What book did I say? Genesis chapter 41, and we're going to look at verse 45 to 46. So Joseph took charge of the entire land of Egypt. He was 30 years old. How old was he? 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. I'm going to pray. God, speak to us. We need to hear you more and more. We don't want to just live our life by the excuses and the lies we tell ourselves. We want downloads from heaven to live the best life that you called us to. And everyone said, I'll have what he's having. So, in the Bible, who's got their Bible? There is many Josephs in the Bible. Do I have a witness in this place? There is Joseph. Uh, there's one Joseph, and he was the husband of Mary. And who was Mary? The mother of Jesus. That's Joseph number one, yes? There's another Joseph. So in Easter, we hear about Jesus dies, and he gets put in a tomb, and that tomb belonged to Joseph. So there's two Josephs. And then there's a third Joseph in the book of Genesis, which we've just looked at. And that Joseph was the one with the beautiful robe. Who's anyone heard of that? There's, I got this T-shirt that I wore when I preached last week at church. And Dad reckons that's my, jo- my Joseph top. Because it's like beautiful, shiny. At the, never mind. But there's a Joseph with the beautiful robe. Or we might know him as Joseph the Dreamer. Who's watched Joseph King of Dreams, that video? Yes. So this is a Joseph that we are talking about. And so... Joseph was only 30 when he began his time as a prime minister of Egypt. Let's look at some Australian history, right? On average, who have a guess how old a normal prime minister is in Australia with the first day that they're prime minister? Wrong, higher. 52 is the average age of an Australian when they become a prime minister for the first day. 52. The youngest ever Australian prime minister when they became prime minister was 37. So there you go. So that's quite interesting. So often when you become prime minister of a nation, you're, you're older rather than younger. And Joseph was only 30. And so we might go, oh, well, that's pretty young to be prime minister. But when we actually understand Joseph's story, we realize there's a whole other aspect to him just being 30. That's interesting. So uh, who's heard messages spoken about Joseph before anyone? There's normally three Ps. Can someone give me a P that they might talk about with Joseph? Any Ps? Anyone? Shout me out a P. Oh, prison. Good. You got ding, ding, ding. Any other P's? Okay. I'll help you out. So we've got prison. So the three P's when you hear about this Joseph they'll preach about is from pit to prison to prime minister or the palace. They'll go like from pit to pa- whatever. That's what they talk about. The, the three P's whatever, of Joseph. But when we, when we understand Joseph, he was 30 when he became prime minister, but a lot happened in that 30 years of his life. It wasn't so... When I have my 30 years, I doubt I would have had the extremes that Joseph went through. So these are some of the extremes. If you grew up in kids' church, you'd be familiar. He was a favorite child. Does anyone have a favorite child in their household where their parent favors someone over someone else? Sean reckons he was a favorite child. And so they get the best clothes. As Leanna would say, their clothes were minging. So, so the older kid gets the, the new clothes. The, the second child gets the hand-me-downs. And the bottomless child gets everything brand new again. Anyone talking about so Joseph was the favorite child. Joseph was a dreamer, and his brothers hated him because of it. Um, then, because of their brother's hatred, they chuck him in a pit. He was rejected by his brothers, dis, uh, disowned, and sold. Pretty tough. Then, after being sold, he's now a slave. For, and then, he, he's not just a slave, because you could be a slave, but he gets put into another country that speaks another language, 
So it'd be just like going, Ella, you're now a slave. We're taking you to China. Good luck. Now, the, now being a slave would suck, but imagine being a slave and being in a country where you can't even speak the language. That's a whole other ball game. And that's what Joseph went through. He went to another country that spoke another language. And then he doesn't just learn how to speak another language. He gets falsely accused and put in prison. Oh, Jojo. He gets falsely accused and put into prison. Now, that sucks, right? It, can get, it goes from bad to worse. Then from prison, there's some lads in the prison that they need some help with dreams. And Joseph goes, well, I know a God that can help you with your dreams. Helps him out. And he goes, just don't forget me and get me out of here. What happens? They forget about him. And two years, two years pass. And then he becomes prime minister. And it's like, what a crazy situation. It goes from, life goes from bad to worse to worse to like jackpot to the top, miracle. So life was good, then down here we go. He made the most of where he was, and you can think life could not get any lower. Next minute, he gets lower, right? And then God lifts him so much higher than he could have ever expected, but he had that 30-year journey. And so biblical scholars believe that he was 17 when he was chucked in the pit. So Joseph was only 17 years old when his brothers rejected him, and disowned him and sold him into slavery. And so this tells me something, that Joseph had some substance. It tells me that he had some character. It tells me that he had a personal connection with God. And so just as Joseph found himself in some terrible situations, there's another guy in the Bible called David, and he did also. And so David finds himself in a pickle. Can I have a witness in this place if anyone's found themselves in a pickle? You've done something dumb, something dumb's happened to you, you go, how am I going to get out of this one? This is David, right? And so in the book of 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, David, it says this, David was now in great danger. He was in a big pickle because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters and they began to talk of stoning him. David had a death sentence by his mates. But it says, but David found strength in the Lord his God. But David found strength in his God. And so the same would be true for Joseph. Sorry. So the 17-year-old that was put in a pit and sold as a slave, but Joseph found strength in his God. He was, despite that terrible circumstance, he was only 17 and put in a pit and sold as a slave, but he found strength in his God. He was falsely accused and imprisoned, but Joseph found strength in his God. God. He was forgotten, but Joseph found strength in his God. And we've got to understand when life seems to get, go from bad and get worse um, for him, he was unaffected because he found strength in his God. And I don't wish these tragedies, um, these tragedies on any one of you. I don't want any of you to be chucked in a pit. I don't want any of you to be sold as a slave and shipped off to China. No, but I do wish that you had the faith of Joseph. What what caused Joseph as a 17-year-old to face those challenges and succeed? I want that faith in you. So yes, I don't want you sold. I don't want those tragedies on you. But I want you to have the faith that you could face those tragedies. And so that faith wasn't formed at 30. It was formed as a teenager. So young person in this room, there's a faith that needs to be formed in your life, just like Joseph had it, that it doesn't take till you're 20. It doesn't take when you're 30. That can be formed today tomorrow, the next day, that when those challenges come, you have the substance to get through. And so in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it says this. Paul was talking to a young man named Timothy, and it says this. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young, but be an example to all the believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, 
your faith and your purity. And so Timothy was in a position leading people older and more experienced than himself. But just because you're younger, it doesn't mean that you can't inspire them to get closer to God. That's what Paul was telling to Timothy in his letter. He was saying, Timothy, you may be younger than the people around you. They may have more experience than you, but you can be an example of faith to them. You can lead in those areas. And so today we're going to look at five points that show we have been close to God. And in particular, we're going to look at five points that we see that Joseph was close to God. And so the title of tonight's message is, what was it, the title again? I've forgotten. The Joseph example. So we're going to be looking at the Joseph example, five points that show that Joseph has been close to God, that we can be close to God if we copy his pattern. And they are, what you say, number one, what you say. So what proves that you've been close to God? Number one, what you say. Number two, the way you live. Number three, your love. Number four, your faith. And number five, your purity. What proves that you've been close to God is when number one, what you say. Number two, the way you live. Number three, your love. Number four, your faith. And number five, your purity. And so um, these, and so we've just read those things in Timothy. That's what Paul says to Timothy. You lead like that. And I've seen those things evident in Joseph's lives, and we got to apply that. Amen? So the Joseph example, number one, what you say. What flows from your mouth? Ponder that. What are the words that come from your mouth? Some people love excuses. Does anyone here know the person that excuses flow from their mouth? They love the blame game. Well, it was because of this. Well, it was because of that. Oh, why didn't you back me up on Fortnite? The lag. I was rubber banding. They're full of excuses. That's what I'm doing about this place. Um, some people only lie. They, lies flow from their mouth. They can't tell the truth to save their life. Some people are just negative and rude. They just, when you have a chat, it's not like, how are you going, Scarlett? It's like, hey, Scarlett, did you hear? Gossip and slander. But we, what flows from your mouth, right? And so we're going to look at this. If anyone had a reason to speak like that, it was Joseph. The stupid things that happen in Joseph's circumstance, you would, you would give him grace and say, you know what, you could possibly be rude, Joseph. You could make excuses. You could play the blame game, but he didn't. So we're going to read it from Genesis chapter 50, verses um, 15 to 21. But now their father was dead. Joseph and his brother's father was dead. And so Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show... Um, now Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died and our father, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you, for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So we, the servants of God, of your father, beg you to forgive our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Look. We are your slaves, they said. Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Um, am I God that I can punish you? So you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Now don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. And so the kindness of Joseph's speech 
shows us that he found strength in God. And the same thing with your speech. The words you use, the conversations that you have, your response languagely will show us that if you have been close to God and found strength in him. And so when someone bullies you, do you have the capacity to speak kindly of them? Because if you don't, you have not found strength in God. When you can find strength in God, it wouldn't matter what people say about you, you can still find something good to say about them. Amen. Point number two, the Joseph example, the way you live. And so living with integrity and initiative, living with character and doing things that no one else would notice to do. And so do you do what no one else would notice? Um, And it's doing to the highest standard. That's how Joseph lived. An example number one, A. So he was a slave in a country with a new language. We've got to remember that. Joseph was a slave in a country where he couldn't speak the language. And this is what's said about him. In Genesis 39, verses 2 to 6, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of the entire household and um, everything he owned. From that day, Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property. The Lord began to bless Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't uh, worry about a thing, except what kind of food to eat. The only thing that Potiphar worried about was whether he was going to have Maccas or KFC, whether he was going to drink a Pepsi or a Coke. Everything else Joseph took control of. He lived a life of integrity and initiative. Joseph lived a life where he said, you know what, I may be a slave, I may not have known the language, but I can choose my response in this circumstance and live that kind of life. The second account, again, so he goes from slave, boom, now he's in prison. And he does the same thing again, Genesis 39, 21 to 23. But the Lord again was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Do the leaders in your life have cause for worry? It says here the prison warden had no worries. It says Potiphar had no worries. Does your leaders in your life, does your boss, do your parents have cause for worry with you? Or do you have faithfulness? Because Jesus, uh, sorry, not Jesus, Joseph's uh, leaders had no cause for worry and neither should ours. When when you're given a responsibility, you, you should live a life where they don't have cause for worry. And so when you're close with God, the way you live will be blessed and you will have success. Number three, the Joseph example, love. Does anyone know a good, a good um, way of describing what love is? Anyone? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, okay, make your mum tea. Love seeks the highest good for others. If you want to know a good definition of love, it's this. Love seeks the highest good of others. And so maybe that is making your mum a cup of tea. Whatever it is, whatever seeks the highest good for others, that is a definition of love. And Joseph sought the highest good for others. Let's read this, Genesis chapter 42, 25 to 28. Joseph, sorry, to some background, there was a famine. Does anyone know what a famine is? It means you've got no food. You're starving. 
It's kind of like the COVID-19 when you have no toilet paper but food version, right? That's what a famine is. Just like with COVID-19, you couldn't get toilet paper. When a famine, you can't get food to eat. And so the only food was in Egypt that Joseph controlled. Joseph controlled the food supply in Egypt. And so his brothers who sold him out came to Joseph to get food, but they didn't know who Joseph was, but Joseph knew who they were. It says this, 42, 25, 28 Genesis. Joseph then ordered his servants to fill the men, so his brothers, sacks with grain. But he also gave secret instructions to return each brother's payment at the top of his sack. He also gave them supplies for their journey home. So the brothers loaded their donkeys with grain and headed for home. But when they stopped for the night and one of them opened um, his sack to get grain for his donkey, he found his money in the top of his sack. Look, he exclaimed to his brothers, my money has been returned. It's here in my sack. Now we go to verse 35. And as they emptied out their sacks, there in each man's sack was a bag of money he had paid for the grain. Interesting. Then round two. And so again, they run out of this grain and there's still famine. So the only food is back in Egypt, which, which Joseph controls. And again, we read this now in verses, uh, chapter 44, verse 1. When the brothers were ready to leave, Joseph gave these instructions to his palace manager. Fill each of their sacks with as much grain as they can carry and put each man's money back into his sack. So Joseph didn't just do what was best for him. He had love for his brothers. And so what's love? It seeks the highest good for others. Joseph sought the highest good for his brothers despite the stupid things they did to him. And so um, when we have, so he, he didn't just like, Joseph could have thought, this is my opportunity for revenge. Alistair Fury's Revenge Files, anyone remember that TV show? Joseph had the opportunity to, to give revenge. And if anything, Joseph had the, the right to seek justice. But he doesn't. He goes, you know what? I'm going to pay for the grain myself and give you back your money because I love you and I want to seek the highest good for your life. Joseph knew how to love. Point number four, getting towards, this is my favorite point. Uh, Joseph's example, so you, we've got to lead in our faith. Joseph had faith. A, Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph knew what it was to have God dreams. We've got to understand God has a plan for your life. Say that to yourself. God has a plan for my life. God has a plan for my life. He has a purpose for you. You're not just here by mistake. You're not here by, by chance. God has destined something for you. And so Joseph knew what it was to dream. So in Genesis chapter 37, verses 5 to 9, one night Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more, uh, even more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were all out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers responded, so you think you'll be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Verse number nine, soon Joseph had another dream and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream, he said, the sun, the moon and, and 11 stars bowed low before me. So what's faith? Um, God, the call of God of your life is faith. When you have faith, you understand what God's called you to do. And so we, got to, we learn here from Joseph. He has a call from God. He has a dream that says, you know what? I'm going to rise up and do something special. 
His brothers bring a negative response and go, do you really think you're going to rule over us? But what happens? Joseph dreams again. And we've got to get our Joseph on. We've got to be like Joseph go, you know what? God's called me to this, but when a negative response comes, we just dream again. We go, you know what? That may be what your opinion is, but I trust God's opinion. He's going to give me fresh dreams, fresh revelations to dream again. And we've got to live a life like Joseph and have faith that when we have a dream and negative comes towards it, we dream again. The second point is um, faith that's bigger than you. You need a faith that's bigger than you. Joseph had a faith that was bigger than him. And so Genesis chapter 50, verses 22 to 25. Soon I will die, Joseph told his brothers, but God will surely come to help you and lead you out of this land of Egypt. He will bring you back to the land he solemnly promised to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, their ancestors. Then Joseph made his sons... Of uh, the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, When God comes to help you and lead you back, you must take my bones with you. What an interesting thing. You must take my bones with you. And so then, if we know the story, a Pharaoh who knew nothing of Joseph um, then rises to power and says, You know what? Who are all these Israelites? Who are all these people? He didn't know the story of Joseph. He didn't know that Joseph brought them and saved the whole world basically of the time came into power and says, you know what? These Israelites are getting too big. We're going to now have to make them our slaves. Then we know the story. The slaves then have enough and go, you know what? We cry out to God. God, rescue us from this. And what happens? Exodus chapter 13, verse 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel swear to do this. He said, God will certainly come to help you. When he does, you must take my bones with you from this place. Joseph had a faith that outlasted his life. He had a belief that says, you know what, I believe for something so good, it's going to outlast my lifetime. And so faith leaves a deposit for future generations. Your faith should leave a deposit to your kids and your grandkids. The things that God plants in your heart should be greater than just your life today. It should have an effect for the, the, the generations to follow. And for me, in my life right now, there might, there's things I have faith for. I have faith to see those schools saved. I have a faith for that. It might not happen in my, my lifetime, but my bones will see that. It could be the next youth pastor. It could be the third youth pastor. But we're going to see a day in Port Lincoln where the high schools get saved because I have the faith in my bones will be brought to that place. And that time, they go, you know what? Josh prophesied this 10 years ago. Josh prophesied this two years ago, whatever it is, because my bones have a faith that can outlast me. Amen? And so we could, we could apply that to so many things in your life. We've got to have a faith that outlast, could outlast our circumstances. Final one, the, the, the Joseph example in your purity. Can someone say sex? Can someone say sex? Can someone say that word? Do you not hear me? You're allowed to say it. You're allowed, one, two, three. Great job. Joseph led by example in his purity, in his sex. You've got to understand, God created sex. And if we don't talk about it in youth ministry, the TV program that you watch is happy to talk about it. If we don't talk about God's principle, the movies that you watch are happy to tell you about it. And you've got to understand, God actually, if God created you, God created sex. And he designed it to be special and to be great and to be everything that's good about it not for it to be wrecked and distorted by what the enemy wants to wreck in your life. What does it say in John 10.10? 10? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God comes to give you a rich and satisfying life. God wants you to have 
be uh, good and balanced in your sexuality. And the enemy wants to come, steal, kill, and destroy. And here, and there's, oh, I'm going to, so I'll, I'll stick to my notes here. So we got to understand, sex was created by God, and it's actually a good thing. But Joseph led with, um, led by an example in his purity. And so it says in Genesis 39, 6 to 12, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come sleep with me, Jojo, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept, um, kept out, and so he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went to do his work. She came and grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, "Come sleep with, uh, come on, sleep with me." Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. And we got to understand that um, God has a plan for our sex life. Joseph trusted God's design. And here's a scary thing, right? That temptation kept coming. It says, though he avoided it, it kept coming. He'd go, oh, no, I'm not going to watch that movie. Oh, there. It didn't matter where he went, te- temptation came. And we've got to understand, temptation's going to follow you. You might stop watching certain types of movies, but then your friends at school are going to start telling you stuff. You might stop going here, and then it's going to pop up there. The, this world is trying to, the enemy is trying to tell you what sex should be. I watch TV shows and, that, and they, try, they try and make divorce normal. They try to make all of these things normal. And sex isn't just about sex. It's actually about family. It's about marriage. It's a bigger, but the, the, the enemy wants you to think, oh no, sex is just about pleasure. It's just about a good time. It's just about my feelings. But it's so much bigger than that. It's so much, there's so much more to it than that. And we've got to live a life and understand, no, if God, I want to live a life of purity. I want to be an example. And I don't want to, I care about myself, I care about my partner's future, and we're not going to do dumb things just because it seems good. We want to understand what God says and live by that. And so it doesn't matter what TVs and movies say, because they didn't make it, God made it. And if God has the best plan for it, I want to be on his side, not the, the roundabout side that actually leaves me hurt, broken and confused, not healthy, whole and flourishing in life. And that's the end of, the, end of it. And so... What we're going to do right now is we're going to pray and seek God and believe that he can help us live that kind of life. Is that cool? So if you just want to close your eyes and position yourself, say, God, right now, we pray that we can live lives like Joseph. As it says, he was 30 years old when he became prime minister. But when he had a faith at 17 that got him through the hard times. And so, God, I pray for this, this generation of one youth here right now in this building, God. I pray that you speak to them and you help them live a life where they can have um, a language that what they say can be an example to everybody around them. God, I pray that they can, by the way they live, God, that they can have integrity, they can have initiative, that again, like Joseph, that they can, doesn't matter where they find themselves, their character and their life can reflect you in all they do. God, I pray that they can have a love, that they seek the highest good for others, even though when they have every excuse, they go, you know what, they don't deserve it. But God, they say, we, we still can have a love because we've found strength in you. God, I pray that they can have a faith God, a faith that when negativity comes, they can continue on, God. That they can have a faith that when that it outlasts their life, 
that their generations can walk into the the, the, the promises and the dreams that they've got from you. God, and finally, God, we pray for purity. God, we pray for this youth ministry. God, I pray for that, that we don't make dumb decisions when it comes to sex. God, but I pray that we can have decisions that create healthy families, that can create a healthy lifestyle, that we don't, don't cause damage and hurt and pain in our hearts, God, but that we can wait to marriage and live the best life that you would have us to live. And everybody said, Amen.